Welcome to Blooming, a podcast by 20-somethings for 20-somethings, navigating how to grow up. I'm Britt. And I'm Tessa. And we'll be your co-hosts. Welcome back, everyone. Sorry we are slightly delayed. We are sure you missed us so much in your ears, but good old Brisbane got hit with a coronavirus lockdown, which meant we couldn't record as planned. I know, how dare COVID get in the way of our recording plans, but all jokes aside, we are now out of our little mini three-day lockdown, and if I may say, Brisbane nailed it with the mask wearing and everything. I know, right? It's given me such an appreciation for those who have had to wear masks for such an extended period. Like, I feel like they got off really easy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But then again, I'm also kind of holding my breath to wait and see what happens, like, for the rest of the 14-day incubation period. I know. Me too. Fingers crossed. Um, You'll just have to tune into next episode, though, to see where we're at. Um, But let's jump into this episode. I love that little clickbaity. (laughs) Clickbaity You like that? I did. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) This week, we'll be giving you our first adulting wins and fails and adulting 101 resources of 2021. How exciting. We'll also be talking to, well, when I say we, I will be talking (laughs) to Britt on the journey of her buying a house in your 20s. But first, Britt, how are you? How was your Christmas and New Year's? It feels like that was a lifetime ago now, but I still feel like we should debrief for the listeners' sake since you guys all obviously care so much about our personal lives. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it feels like so long since we've been in the same room. I know, I me? feel a little bit rusty. Oh, me too. Um, my Christmas break was nice after like everything that's been happening with COVID and Brisbane's lockdown and the rioters in the US. I just feel like so much has already happened this year. I know, 2021 <laughs> off to a crazy start. I know, the Christmas break seems like so long ago. I know. Um, But yeah, over the break, we did a lot of work on the house, which was equal parts fun and exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, Locke and I put our hand up to host Christmas with my family at our new house, which was really special. That is also so adult of you. I know. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Hosting Christmas. Yeah, um, it was a big task, um, but we got there. Um, lots of getting the house ready, um, and I was on PAV duty, which I'm sure you can understand was a huge responsibility. I was on PAV duty too, but when I say PAV duty, this was the first PAV I've ever made, and what I really mean is my friend <laughs> taught me how to make PAV in which she just did most of the making and I stood there watching. <laughs> oh, what a stitch up. <laughs> look, it worked out great for me. The path turned out amazing. So <laughs> Made look, you look real good. Exactly. Maybe I'll tackle my own this year. I nearly said next year, <laughs> but this year. God, yeah. What year are we in? But what about you, Tessa? Apart from the path, what else did you get up to? Other than listening to Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo, if you know, you know. Um, But other than that, I had a very chilled break. It was like filled with lots of downtime, family time, friend time, plus way too much food and probably a touch too much alcohol as well. I feel like everyone can relate. But oh, oh my gosh, I nearly forgot. I also had a car accident, which is the first one I've ever had. And um, yeah, I was essentially, long story short, I was rear-ended by a car much bigger than mine and he drove off. And so I had to file a police report and it's just been a wild experience. Yeah, you poor thing. At least nobody was hurt. Yeah, for sure. I feel like it could have been so much worse. For sure. But... I feel like we should just jump straight into it. All right, our first adulting wins and adulting fails for 2021. 
Guys, we have to say, slack effort on sending in the wins and fails over the break. <laughs> like, what's with that? Were you preoccupied with more important things or something? <laughs> like spending time with family and friends? How rude, right? <laughs> As if you weren't constantly thinking about blooming over the holidays. <laughs> Shocking. I mean, that's what we were doing. <laughs> but what do you have? Win or fail? Hit me with it. Okay, so this should be a win, but unfortunately it's a fail. Um, On the break, one of my many projects... was deciding to do a like DIY furniture makeover on That's brave. Yeah, well, on the TV cabinet that my nana donated to Sorry, Lucky. That was a little hiccup. <laughs> <laughs> Just a baby one. Keep going. <laughs> Um, that your nana donated. I'm just like shocked that it wasn't one of the really loud ones. Yeah, I don't know. That was weird. I've never heard a hiccup like that come out of your mouth. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. So my DIY furniture makeover. Yeah, my nana donated this like beautiful, big, it's massive um, TV like cabinet. It's very, um, oh, I don't even know what era but like the years style that it Mm. would be, but it's so heavy. I could not move it. Like very solid. Yeah. And to get one of Lockie's friends to help us actually get it into the house. Um, but it was um, – it has sentimental meaning because my pop had got it made for um, my nana as an anniversary Aww, present. That's so wholesome. Yeah. So um, she couldn't fit it in her um, unit that she now lives in and didn't want to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And I – I kindly accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Kindly accepted. I mean, she kindly (laughs) gave it to me. Um, And yeah, the wood was is finished was finished in a purpley tone, which purpley tone on wood. Yeah, like I don't even know if I can like picture that. I'd never seen it before. It's like kind of like a purpley varnish or something. Interesting. I'm not sure how it was done, Um, but it kind of looked a bit out of our out of place because like everything else we've got is very like neutral tones mm-hmm. like gray and um yeah like wo- like solid wood and stuff yeah. um so I asked her if she minded if I did it a little makeover and yeah she said that was completely fine happy for that it had a new life mm-hmm. and I researched how to whitewash and got um all of the materials ready thinking that I would only need to do like one to two coats um the like technique of whitewashing is supposed to be like just sanding the surface and mixing a ratio of paint to water and then painting it on and wiping off the excess with a cloth. So okay. it seemed pretty simple. Yeah. Um, and I started this project in the morning and then we, ha- we had friends coming over like that night um, specifically to see the house. <laughs> So I wanted to have it done. I thought I could get it done. Mm. Once again, this is me having like a terrible concept of time. (laughs) But um, yeah, it took so long and we did not have the house back in in order because the TV cabinet's so big, it like takes up the whole room when you're trying to paint it. There was paint everywhere. Um, And I didn't realise that the cabinet was finished with like a particular varnish that when you go to wipe off like the excess paint, um, all of it wiped Oh, no. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, my God. It took me so long to figure out why it wasn't working. And at first I thought maybe I just had to wait longer. So I, like, painted the entire thing and then came back to wipe it off and then nothing came off at all and there was, like, streak marks. And I was, like, stressing that I had just destroyed my nana's, like, it was, like sentimental, sentimental cabinet. <laughs> Anyway, after lots of me stressing and like Googling, we got there in the end and I am happy with the final product. It just took me like so many fails to get there. 
Did he like, <laughs> did it take more than one day? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It took like two whole days. That doesn't surprise me, but I still think like it is a win because you upcycled furniture yourself. Like I'm proud of you. That's a lot. I don't think I could do that. Yeah. And I mean, I get to have something in our house that means something instead of, you know, going and buying something new, like. Lol, all of my furniture came pre-whitewashed. <laughs> I mean, okay, if you have like a solid piece of furniture, then go for it because it, it it looks nice when it's done well. It's just a <laughs> huge <laughs> mission. <laughs> just make sure you check the um, finish on your wood before you start. Fair enough. Okay, but anyway, what did what was yours? A win or fail? So I finally brought another adulting win to the table. Yay! Again, kind of forced, but you know what? I'll take it. So as I keep going on about, you guys are probably sick of me talking about it. We did Christmas Day without my parents, which meant that we still did it at our family home, which my brother and I live in. But I don't know. I'm like classic middle child I like having lists and order and control <laughs> and so I kind of just like took over and like became the little host like I you stepped, stepped up, up? <laughs> yeah oh, nice. and so like it meant that I did a lot of cleaning like you did to like prep the house and like I said in the last episode of the year my brother-in-law cooked for us which was amazing I did I was a great assistant chef I was great what is that a sous chef is I'm actually surprised he accepted like you wanting to be in the kitchen because you're <laughs> such a hazard I am a hazard that's true but I just like mainly cleaned up after him as he went so that it was like clean and had it ready so that he could just come in oh, yes. and cook and get out and like it wasn't having like to like. Like a sous chef or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah, did a lot of cleaning. As you mentioned, I did the pav making. I glazed a ham. Oh my god! In saying that though, when I say glazed a ham, he like prepped the ham for me and then I um, did have a bit of a fail with the glaze, but that's fine. It tasted good in the end. We recovered. We're focusing okay. on the win. It's <laughs> a win. <laughs> anyway, but we yeah, we know that domestic duties aren't exactly my forte, but I'll humbly say that I nailed it. Um, and it made me appreciate just like how much work my parents do over Christmas to host and like feed us all and clean everything up. And so, yeah, I'm counting me taking one for the team and stepping up as a win and I will definitely be putting in more effort and help to my mom in the future Christmases that we have. (laughs) That is such a wholesome win. I'm very proud of you for nailing it. Thank you. And thank you for holding up the team this week. You're welcome. This week, we're talking to Britt about her house buying journey, since for a lot of people in your 20s, me included, is when you begin thinking about saving for or buying a house. So we thought we could discuss some of Britt's findings, just like things she learned along the way that may help others looking to break into the property market. And let's be real, I need all of the help I can get (laughs) to. I loved quizzing Britt about her journey to buying a house and hope you find this chat useful if you're looking to buy one day or relatable if you too have recently been navigating the property market. So I think how we want to approach this chat is to break it up into a few sections. So like a savings section, navigating the housing market section, and then like kind of you found the house you love. Now what? Um, So yeah, I'm just going to ask Britt some questions for on the hot seat. And yeah, hopefully you learn something from it. Okay. So starting off with saving for a house, 
How did you form your savings habits? Okay, so I've kind of been saving for a really long time, to be precise, probably since I was like 10. I was about to say define long. Oh my gosh, (laughs) 10. I was not expecting that. Okay, I'm very behind. No, so okay, to explain this, like my parents put a lot of importance on learning the art of saving. Okay, wait, wait, can I clarify? At 10, did you start saving for your first house or just saving in general? saving in general. Oh my gosh. I was like, okay, definitely behind. Oh no. You don't need to start at 10 years old. (laughs) I'm just laying the foundations for having good savings habits. Yeah. So neither of my parents came from like families with a lot of money. Both of them moved out of home at 18, like so as soon as they were of age. Little fresh babies. Yeah. So I do remember like stories of them when they were young living the broke life of like two minute noodles (laughs) and baked beans as like a staple diet. Fast forward a few years and my brother and I came along. When we turned 10, my parents said that we would need to learn to earn our fun money. So they obviously still paid for our like education, health, sporting commitments, like core groceries. Um, And they still gave us presents on our birthday and Christmas, but we would need to use our own money if we wanted to like go to the movies or buy new clothes or buy food and snacks Mm -hmm. like outside what they put on the table, Um, which at the time we kind of thought we were really hard done by because (laughs) like all of our friends were still getting money given to them from their parents. I feel like 10 was so young. So young. So like I think that was me in grade five. Um, And yeah, the deal was that we were assigned chores each week and Upon completion, received pocket money in our hand each fortnight and then in our bank account the alternating fortnight. I think the pocket money amount started as our age. So when we okay. were 10, we were getting $10 and this, that's like a fortnight in our hand <laughs> to live off. But again, like my grade five. So what are not, you going to yeah. be spending it on? But I think that amount received inflation because we convinced them to give us like 25 by the time we were 14. Um, and then as soon as we were old enough to work, we both got casual jobs and that finished. Um, but yeah, long story short, the point of the pocket money scheme was to teach us to save half of what we earn. If you can put a little bit of money aside and not look at it, it's much less tempting. So like we had no access to the money that they put in our bank accounts every fortnight and only my parents could see the balance. And while that money was slowly growing without interference, we had no idea what we were missing out on. Um, I'm sure we could have done the math, but we were only 10 years old and it's also always been like my dad's way of the highway. So they, we weren't going to argue yeah. the rules. So I still try to live by this and put away at least half. Um, although I can see the balance, I just try not to tempt myself and avoid withdrawing money from my savings accounts if I can. Like that's not to say I don't occasionally splurge splurge, and, you know, take part in an online shopping event um, that especially like for stuff I don't need, but, you know. Just for the like. Yeah. And like sometimes obviously we get food that's outside the budget, but like the pocket money scheme basically like taught us how to budget. Like since I would sometimes need to use a few weeks pocket money to buy things, I learned from a young age to try and like anticipate my spendings a few weeks in advance. So Mm -hmm. um, like look at what I would have upcoming, like a friend's birthday or a social outing that would require money or that I would like want a new outfit for Mm -hmm. and stemming from that sometimes not being able to afford things like right then and there meant that by the time I had saved enough money I no longer wanted it yeah um I feel like today there's so many platforms which allow you to buy now without having the money to do so like you know zip pay after pay 
open pay, um, et cetera. Like, although I understand the benefits of having platforms such as these in our society, I just feel like young people who are still learning to manage their own finances, it can be really dangerous. Yeah, I've never had an afterpay or zip pay or anything oh, really? like that. Yeah, clean slate. They just wow. terrify me. I don't want credit cards. I'm like, no, nah, none of that. I'm like, if I don't have the money now to pay for it, I'm not going to have the money in That's like a good mentality to have. Four weeks, yeah. I, yeah, had an afterpay for a while, but I closed it. When we started seriously looking at a house, I don't think it actually impacts, but there was like rumours about it impacting yeah. your credit history like for a bank loan. <laughs> I think I have zero credit history then. Wow, you will have no trouble buying a house then. <laughs> yeah, except with a huge hex debt, but that's fine. <laughs> okay, so... Saving since you were 10, we've just I've clarified that you didn't start saving for a house since you were 10, but how long did it actually take you to save for a house? And when I say that, like the deposit and like any incidentals that come with that process? Like I mentioned, I've kind of been like slowly accruing my savings over the years. Um, when I was 18, I was working like four different jobs at one point trying to build up my savings. And then I've dipped into them a few times to go traveling. And I feel like when I got to the 20K mark a few years ago, I lost a bit of motivation. Like I was like, I've got a decent amount of my savings. Like I've got a buffer there. And I like, I hadn't met Lockie, Lockie yet. So I didn't really have anything major that I was saving for. Looking back, I definitely could have saved more during that period and made my saving this last year, year and a half um, less stressful. However, like constantly being focused on money and letting it control your life can be really daunting. Yeah, for sure. This year, Lockie and I decided to move home in order to save hard for a house. So I already had a, a decent amount of savings, mm-hmm. um, but like nowhere near what you need for a deposit, um, house deposit. And we still paid my parents like board money and money to cover bills, but this was minimal in comparison to what we were paying, like renting outside of yeah. home. So it did give us a bit of a leg up. We were very fortunate to have this opportunity, which I know is not an option for many Gen Zers who like aren't living in the same city as family or have family with the means to support in this way. But from when we moved home in February, we started to like monitor the housing market. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to gauge the approximate a pr- like price for a house where we wanted to buy um, so that we knew roughly like how much we would need to save. Because yeah, like when we started looking, we didn't really know like what, yeah. what percentage or how much we really needed to have saved. However, like 2020 wasn't the best year for this because we saw house prices increase between like 50 and 200K from Feb to when we were finally ready to purchase in September. So yeah, there's a lot of figures being thrown around by publications regarding like price increases in 2020 and predicted increases in 2021. So that obviously means you've got to save more. Yeah. yeah. And so like as a, that's terrifying for anyone who's hoping to buy a house in the next few years and in in fact like they've been throwing out these predicted figures like all year that Lockie and I have been looking so that's been terrifying yeah but like of being a full-time dual income couple definitely helped us in saving for our home this year Um, and we were very lucky to have secure jobs during COVID which meant our savings goal wasn't hindered with like less social events due to COVID we were able to put more of our disposable income away so there were definitely like a few things working to our advantage having said that I won't lie my shopping addiction did not stop (laughs) but I just justified that as you know helping support the local economy yeah for sure okay so you started kind of saving for a house at 18 or like saving for something at Mm. 18 and then really knuckled down in the last like year and a half but as a dual couple that 
was helpful. Yes. Is that kind of right? Yes. Okay. So did you have then, I know you said that the prices were changing heaps this year, but did you like have a savings goal in mind? Like how much of the deposit were you aiming to save? I know that like, what is it ideally to not pay house insurance? You have a 20% deposit, but you can have as low as a 5%. Is that right? Yes. So So I think you need you need at least five percent like that's the smallest percentage deposit lmi is one of your like major purchase costs so the amount of which is determined by how much you're putting down as a deposit yeah so it's like insurance to the lender i.e the bank that you'll be able to make repayments so if you're only putting down a five percent deposit you'll require a bigger loan amount and your repayments will be bigger so therefore you're a bigger risk to the bank so not needing to pay lmi is like awesome if you can avoid it and is it 20 percent that you stop paying lmi is that right um yes so Um, what was your goal yeah so when Lockie and I started thinking seriously about saving for a house I ideally wanted to have like 100k saved between us but that takes a lot of time to save that kind of money and Lockie and I kept swaying between either wanting to wait and save a larger deposit or to get in faster with a smaller deposit with the intention that like the equity would increase and work to our advantage Mm -hmm. Um, just to set the scene like we're not looking at freshly renovated pristine houses that you see in like architecture interior design Mm -hmm. catalogs like we were looking at starter homes so you know like a brick or weatherboard home that needs some work but has potential that you would be able to realize over a period of years (laughs) um and but we were looking within a 10 kilometer radius of the city which means a higher price bracket and like particularly we wanted to live on the south side because well, I've never lived on the north side and that land is a mystery to me. <laughs> um, like by the time we had saved a decent deposit, the starter home pricing bracket in the areas that we wanted to live was anywhere between like 650 and 750k. Um, and this was also heavily impacted by land size. Like land size is like really important in the housing market at the moment because it indicates potential. So yeah, to answer your question, we were originally thinking we would be able to save a 10 to 15 percent deposit however when we're starting when we started putting offers down in order to even mildly compete with the other offers coming in we were only putting down like an offer with a five percent deposit which yeah is like the minimum you need in order to gain loan approval from a bank so we then were also paying a lot in lender's mortgage insurance okay so how did you balance saving money with maintaining your social life and like other financial commitments like did you find yourself sacrificing a lot so like when Lockie and I started looking at our savings together we created like a budget um did you stick to it yeah so we started off with a very basic like excel spreadsheet Mm -hmm. Um, that's what I have currently but I I don't look at it yeah well you know like put your income at the top (laughs) and then all your financial commitments underneath and then whatever you have left over you can put into your like savings and Mm -hmm. just given enough that you leave enough spending money to live off um I will be honest is something I haven't really been great at like I always like (laughs) think I can put more into my savings than I can actually live off (laughs) and then you're like eating two minute noodles and baked beans like your parents (laughs) or a little dip out I try not to but there's occasions where yeah I mean who doesn't there's always unforeseen expenses that pop up yeah Um, I actually have two savings accounts one's one that's like you my interest is like affected if I take money out of it so that one I don't take any money out of it but I have another one that's like okay if I take some money out of it so that's like what I use is like okay if there's an emergency or 
something yeah. that is like That's good. I have to dip into it. Yes, I have like the two. I don't know. So you don't get like a smack on the hand every time. Yeah, but I haven't had to, luckily. I haven't taken had to take out any That's money. Good. I usually just don't, if I know I've got a big week of spending or whatever, a fortnight of spending, I just don't usually put as much across mm. into my savings. And then any, then any I have left over, I put in mm. when I get my next pay. But enough about me. Sorry, your story. No, yeah. So like I, I'm kind of similar. Like if I do end up taking a bit out for something that pops up, then I do try and be a little bit stricter the next week to make up for it. Um, yeah. A fortnight actually, I get paid fortnightly. I try to live, I like, I also try to be quite economical with our groceries so that I do have like more money, fun money left over. We are pretty boring during the week. Like we just... We'll eat, you know, like food that is inexpensive during the week. And then if we do want to have a nice meal, we have like nice meals on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So you try to try and balance it a little bit, I guess. Yeah. And like we only really go to like a, a nice restaurant when it's a special occasion. Um, and also we rarely buy takeout like during the week. Like that's when we would, would have takeout on the weekends. So like Lockie's probably worse than me also when we go out because – like he's bigger than me, so he, you know, therefore needs to we'll, eat more. We'll eat more and drink more. Drink more. <laughs> when we can, we also like try and take turns being designated driver if it means we can like save on an Uber. Because mm-hmm. th- these are things like we found like like food, drinks, and Ubers can be an easy area to save in. Um, do you remember when like the Australian millionaire Tim Gurner told millennials that their housing woes would be solved by putting $22 a pop avocado toast towards a house deposit instead? Yeah, yeah I do. Um, well, <laughs> and I ignored it because I love avocado toast. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I think this statement is definitely simplifying the struggles of young people in regards to the housing market. I do like agree from the angle that I don't know how anyone can be saving hard for a house and afford 20 plus dollar breakfast like on the regular I definitely didn't want to give up avo toast though so as a compromise I just like make it myself (laughs) on weekends from home we still like you know get nice bread if we can and you know some avocados and make it a bit bougie yeah yeah bougie on a budget that's it um there's definitely ways of eating well but doing it economically and yeah like a few of my friends had been living out of home since they were 18 which meant that as a group we were all pretty respectful when someone said they couldn't afford an activity for this reason we've also like tried to organize events over the years um like as a group that are low cost so like meeting at someone's house for BYO dinner or having a picnic in the park where everyone just contributes something I feel like when everyone's in the same boat, it makes such a difference. Yeah. And like even when I've had like lunches or dinners to go to, there have been times where I've eaten before and then ordered something small so I don't feel left out, but then don't break the bank. Like so no, responsible of you. Nobody wants to be the stingy friend though. <laughs> so I think it also comes back to anticipating your spendings and looking at like what events are coming up so that you can budget for things and don't feel like you have to miss out in order to stick to your savings goals. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you said that you, like you've talked a bit about the fact that you were saving like as a couple. Mm. How did you like navigate that? Like you said you're a bit better than lucky in terms of saving. Like how did you navigate <laughs> that? Like, I don't know. Yeah, well, like so Lockie and I only set up our shared accounts once we actually got our mortgage. Before that, we just took turns paying for meals out and like split our major grocery bills. This has been interesting at times since I'm in a like hetero relationship with a boy who eats like three times the <laughs> amount of food that I do. <laughs> but um, we were mostly splitting our grocery 
grocery bills down the middle. Yeah, <laughs> and you were like, um, this is going rude. on here? <laughs> I was like, why are you always hungry? <laughs> Stop eating. <laughs> but like, yeah, if you are eating the same meals as your partner and are struggling to make it even, there's like other options. You can do like the split pay or immediate transfer apps. And yeah, you can, you could definitely, like I know a few of my friends have shut up um, set up a shared account and yeah there's a few couple um couples I know that eat like very different diets so meal at me yeah well meal prepping their own food and only eating a dinner together occasionally there's like a lot of factors that could play into this and I think every couple is a bit different so it's just like do whatever works best for you yeah with all that being said what is maybe you just want to give me like a few or one top tips for saving okay so once again everyone is going to be a little bit different here there will be areas that you can sacrifice or cut back spending on that others just can't and like vice versa for example some of my friends are naturally blessed with good skin and hair at tessa Um, (laughs) and therefore like don't need to invest money in like higher quality skincare or hair care however me with my two dollar shampoo exactly this makes me so furious but anyway moving on (laughs) i lucked out in both of these departments and need like multiple products in my skincare and hair care routine in order to avoid breaking out or like my hair being a constant fuzz um at least like like i you're acting as if I have just an amazing I definitely don't my hair is so thin like no one wants it I'm probably gonna be bald by the time I'm 50 I've got no hair (laughs) well okay so yeah there's a few areas which I found generally easy to tighten the budget in my situation should we play charades for a second charades okay two words yeah Nah, you're not gonna get this meal prep (laughs) I was like about to start eating or something and I was like wait how do I do this? <laughs> um, but yeah, the amount of money that you end up spending on eating out definitely adds up. I know it might not seem like much of the time, but if you accumulated the cost of buying lunch every day out instead of prepping and bringing it to work, I'm pretty confident you come out on top with the latter. Yeah. When I was working in an office full-time, meal prep lived by it. Yeah. I know it's not exciting to eat the same thing like multiple days in a row, but... I uh, live for that. Yeah. I, I live for it. I eat the same food every day. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> okay. Well, for the normal people out there, it's not very exciting, but I would prefer to prep like once a week and have my lunches done than spend time putting together something new each day. And like you could also prep two dishes and alternate them if you're really organized. I also don't know how to cook for one or even two people. Mm. Like every time I cook, it's in bulk and I always I have leftovers cook, for lunches. Yeah, I can only cook for four. I swear. <laughs> what? Just like four exactly? For four exactly. For four mm, meals. No, okay. I cook for like... <laughs> how many people? a feast <laughs> like when I cook dinner I'll have like at least six to eight lunches oh my gosh yeah <laughs> that's how do you I don't even I feel like I can hardly fit four meals worth into my pan yeah I don't, I don't know. know how I do it either but yeah like it means that I have heaps of leftovers to make lunches with and I think this also helps with your savings because if you use like the whole tin or jar or tub of something then you get more out of things and there's also like less wastage which is a big plus for me I hate food wastage which kind of brings me to another tip I get really creative in the kitchen like in a weird way like it might not look like you have much in your fridge but if you have some staples you can usually like throw something together instead of needing to go out and buy like a whole new dinner so like like, try and look at what you've already got open or what's in there I don't know about you but I like yeah I don't need to eat like a queen every meal I'm happy to just have something that's like basic that fills my tummy and is still kind of nutritious I will note like I'm pretty fortunate to have a flexible diet with no 
food intolerances. Yeah, looking like, at you, I Tessa. <laughs> I could never. <laughs> I feel like my grocery bill is so expensive because it's like dairy free, dairy free, gluten free, red meat free. Yeah. So, yeah, I can understand that people with food intolerances, it can be more tedious. And I'm also lucky to have a partner who eats whatever I make and is happy to eat like veggie meals um, because meat can be quite expensive too. Like, that's another way you could maybe cut down the price of your grocery bill. And okay, another tip, keep an eye on your bank interest rates. Like your interest that comes into your bank account doesn't look like a lot, but it definitely does add up. Like I try to keep the bulk of my savings in an account with an interest rate of 1.6 or higher. Um, She chases them. I chase them. I just chase the bank with the good interest rate. Trust me, they are out there. You just have to do your research. And I mentioned this earlier, but try not to tempt yourself by constantly looking at your savings balance. Just like commit to putting a certain amount away each pay and try not to mm. break it's that. It's so interesting you say that because the biggest saving that I ever had was to go on exchange and I literally hid my savings account from my online banking so I couldn't see the balance mm. until I had to start yeah like using the money and it was such a like so much beneficial wait so beneficial <laughs> because I didn't know how much money was there so yeah. I didn't and think so probably oh, I like, could oh, I just don't have it. enough yet. yeah I gotta keep doing it yeah and so when I finally did like I occasionally went and unhit it and like to see where I was measuring but yeah, yeah like completely hit it so yeah. I couldn't tell and like on like I guess on that topic you can have like you can split your bank accounts and this is kind of like barefoot investory but you can split your bank accounts into like a few different categories um kind of like what you're saying before like you've got one where you absolutely don't touch it and then you've got a second savings where you can like dip into it if there's something that comes up like I find having that a few different savings goals can make it easier to keep across like what you're working towards because like by the time you're in your 20s you're probably not just saving for one thing like they've probably got like other bills and things that you need to save for throughout the year depending on the frequency and stuff so should we move on to navigating the house market housing market all right where do you even start looking like did you start by choosing some areas you liked or look purely based on budget like what was your criteria for lucky and i um i said this before but we've only ever lived on the south side of brisbane and just like like the area Buddy is also a big part of Lockie's life so he wanted to be like relatively close to the club since he's there like three nights and on weekends during season plus like a lot of our friends and family are in the area so we did want to stay close to them so I set up a few save searches on realestate.com and domain Um, one I labeled as ideal and it was like all the suburbs we most wanted to live in with the search criteria set to houses only and like a maximum price of whatever our budget was which I think started at like 650k like our absolute max yeah I set it at the absolute max because just in case like there were homes that were having difficulty selling that we could like throw in a lowball offer for <laughs> unfortunately with the market this year this situation did not arise <laughs> you could girl can hope though yeah, I know. girl can dream after looking for a while and noticing how competitive the market was and that the prices were like higher than we had in anticipated I set up a second save search expanding the suburbs out a bit further from like the city like I think your lifestyle will really impact where you look like where your workplace is located and where you spend your time due to commitments and like family like for us both we both work in or close to the city so we ideally didn't want to be living too far away because we'd end up spending a large amount of our time each day commuting and then I ended up setting up 
our third save search called stretching in the second half of this year because we'd put a few offers in on places and had been like significantly outbid and we were feeling like really disheartened that when houses we thought were worth like 600k ended up going for like mid to high sevens. Lockie had also done the same with his save searches. So for most of this year, we were constantly sending each other houses and lying in bed each night trolling with real estate platforms. It's really time consuming, but you do want to be checking regularly because houses can receive offers and be under contract in as little as a day if like the offer is good. So yeah, it's been really competitive. And it's also good to keep an eye on domain as well as realestate.com because they are separate platforms and there might be a rare occasion when a home is posted on just one very rare but yeah I feel like that's a good tip and also the save searches that's not something I thought of so Mm. yeah good one I also signed up to all of the real estate agents mailing list that operated in areas we wanted to buy a lot of the time they do this for you when you inquire on a home through a real estate listing because your email is like a mandatory field which is cheeky but also very handy if you can find homes that are listed as off market in their weekly newsletters then again like your competition is significant smaller than if it's live on realestate.com and domain and I recommend like shamelessly pestering real estate agents like just follow up with ones you've previously spoken to at an open home or over the phone like asking if there's anything similar coming up in their portfolio because if they can strike a deal with you and sell the house faster it's like less work for them and they end up looking good to their seller anyway so yeah win-win yeah so how did you balance ticking like the boxes that you wanted out of a property and managing that with your budget yeah so this was a lot of trying to balance what the house already had and how much we would need to spend to make it the way we wanted both Lockie and my dad kept telling us to balance how much capital that we're willing to invest in a property in order to make money on the property as in like you don't want to overcapitalize on a property if you're not going to one day get that money back that's the whole property game right like choosing something that's going to be a good investment because in the end it's a lot of money that you're putting into just one thing Mm -hmm. and it's a long time a long time commitment most of the time which is why Lockie and I swayed between you know buying an apartment or a townhouse closer to the city or whether to buy land and build options which potentially would have allowed us to qualify for government grants however we kept coming back to wanting a home with a yard um, because getting Nala was something that we really wanted to do soon and with like building we didn't want to wait another year to get a dog because with the home builder and stuff like the building industry is like builds take a really long time and plus land in the areas that we were looking was really rare and around the same price that homes were going for so really expensive so that just made our decision to look for a house pretty clear yeah okay so what factors should you be looking at or considering when you start looking for a house then okay so I'm definitely no expert here but here's some of the things that you could keep in mind when you're looking at buying or building I kind of touched on this before, but location. So not just whether it's in the area that you want to live in, but whether it's in like a flood zone or a flight path. Information on both of these is publicly available. I know for Brisbane, the flight path wheel is on the Brisbane Airport Corporation website and the flood awareness maps are available on the city council website. That could be something that you just might not um, think of yeah or like mm-hmm. um, flooding is something in Brisbane <laughs> a huge thing in Brisbane yeah and I know some people don't want to live in a flight path doesn't 
probably bother me but (laughs) you also may want to consider the projected capital growth in the area so whether there's new developments in the pipeline that will bring or deter growth in the area it's highly common for older houses in Queensland particularly to contain asbestos which is easily removed if required however depending on the type of asbestos it can be expensive so if you're looking at a home that you plan to renovate um, you may want to take that into consideration and again if you're planning to renovate, like site-specific considerations may affect the complexity, cost and time of your plans. So, for example, easements, manholes, maintenance structures, heritage listings, projected vegetation, floodable land, acid sulfate soils or site location relevant to waterways or major transport corridors. Okay, like none of that was <laughs> anything I would have thought of. Right? <laughs> it would be also worthwhile asking the agent or your like conveyance or a solicitor to obtain all relevant site plans, some information is publicly available on the local council website or through urban utilities, but they can just do more um, in-depth deep, or detailed yeah, yep, um, searches for you. They do cost sometimes. Some of these things are like highly unlikely and not something that you would be aware of until years down the track. But I mean, you'd be kicking yourself if you didn't do all the research and something eventuated that you could have known earlier. So it's just like try and do all your research. I know it's really time consuming. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned solicitor or conveyancer. Um, and then I've also heard of mortgage broker. Can you just like talk me through those? Okay. So we used a mortgage broker and like, wow, I cannot recommend more. Like our broker was so helpful and sent through cost breakdowns every time we found a home we wanted to put an offer in on so we knew how much we could afford to offer based on our savings. I didn't realize like all of the costs that come along with buying a home. So like I touched on this earlier, but your offer amount isn't just based on the percentage deposit that you can afford. Like you've also got to account for all your purchase costs. So transfer fees, stamp duty, building and pest inspection, solicitor or conveyancer fees, LMI, lenders mortgage insurance. Unless you have parents who are willing to go guarantor and that's uh, just not something that Lockie and I wanted to ask but that could save you on the LMI. Also something people don't tell you is as soon as both the buyer and the seller sign the contract you need to take out home insurance because if by chance like the house burnt down or flooded or whatever before settlement that's on you. It seems so silly because you haven't even like moved into the house yet and like settlement periods can be anywhere from the standard 30 days to a number of months for example if there's tenants finishing their rental period and yeah so like your solicitor or conveyancer should remind you to do this like get your Mm -hmm. insurance but um it's just like not something that's bolded or um highlighted in any documents so and and like why would it be I mean it's not their responsibility yeah it's yours um but we that's something we didn't know and also something that we probably should have accounted for more is leaving a buffer so yeah your moving costs and um like money for all the little things that you need to like set up your new home like cleaning products and like tools or whatever mm-hmm. yeah then you need money for that <laughs> um okay so you used a mortgage broker but what about solicitor conveyancer what's that about so yeah they're pretty similar they both do an important role so it is like important to choose carefully solicitors but you don't need both one or the other no it's one or the other yeah solicitors are usually more expensive than conveyances um just because they're like qualified lawyers so they can offer like a range of legal services if you end up needing it and then like licensed conveyances are specialized in property but can't deal with like complex legal issues so Mm -hmm. I think you should also take into consideration like the type of contract um 
you're putting in when you put in an offer. Like if you've got a lot of clauses, maybe it would be better to choose a solicitor. Okay. Originally, I would have said solicitor just because they I'd heard more. I'd heard that they're like more attentive to the finer details, but uh, like that wasn't really our experience. In the end, I think it's best to go off word of mouth. So ask the people you know who have bought, whether they recommend their solicitor or conveyancer. And mortgage brokers usually can recommend one or a few. So you could always ask your mortgage broker. That's how we got in touch with the conveyancer we um, went with and she was great. Uh, She talked us through things and was really responsive with communication. And yeah, like I said, like we had a pretty simple contract that we put ended up putting in. So there weren't any like complex clauses that yeah. might have required legal services later on. Okay, so when you say that wasn't our experience with the solicitor, mm. what do you mean by that? Um, well, we um, were under contract for a home before the one that we ended up buying and had a solicitor at the time who we thought was communicating with the seller solicitor, but there was a lack thereof and some miscommunication about our building and pest clause. And in the meantime, the real estate agent had kept taking offers to the seller, one of which was higher than ours. And the seller solicitor pointed out a loophole for them to bail on our contract. So I can't stress more, like make sure you're 100% clear with all communications to your solicitor or conveyancer and any communications you have with the real estate agent. And don't be afraid to like pester your solicitor or conveyancer. Like if you haven't heard back, you have like you're the one paying them, so don't feel like it's your respons- it's your responsibility um, for them to do their job. Unfortunately, all the legal jargon involved in purchasing a home or land is really confusing for someone if you don't have a background in law. So just ask lots of questions, and if anything doesn't make sense or seem right, you should definitely speak up because at the end of the day it's you that will be paying for it if like they miss something or screw something up yeah okay so you lost your first house how did you deal with that falling in love with a place and then like the disappointment of not getting it because you like would have imagined your life there right and like pictured yourself living there we were pretty devastated um when we were told we'd lost that contract I just like couldn't believe how quickly it all happened and that there was nothing that we could do to like rectify things and get the contract back there were a lot of tears (laughs) I was at work when um I got the call and I remember feeling like I'd been winded and like my hands were so shaky and yeah we just felt so blindsided because we thought everything was moving along fine and like yeah so that house um ended up settling for 5k more than our offer (laughs) which seems Uh like such a ridiculous amount to break a contract over but I guess an extra 5k to the seller means more than to the buyer there were honestly so many houses that I loved that we didn't get most of the time because they ended up going for way more than we could offer but that's just been the market this year some of which being the result of Queensland faring so well during the pandemic compared to other states I know so many people have been feeling the same like it's so hard to compete with buyers from other states which with much um, deeper pockets that see Brisbane prices and think it's a bargain and like a perfect investment opportunity but like in the end we just had to remind ourselves that it wasn't meant to be and the home for us was still on its way <laughs> and, you, and you ended up happy you ended up somewhere we you did lied. yeah Okay, so what was the biggest challenge you faced in navigating the housing market? Well, yeah, so definitely the competition. Um, There were so many times we'd only just see a house pop up on the market and by the time we inquired, it was under offer. We almost felt like we needed to put in an offer before even viewing the property. (laughs) I remember, Which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. I remember one time...
and we we saw one and it came up in the price bracket that we like our like, headset headset yeah. and um we're like oh my god this is like a perfect house we need to move quickly we need to put an offer in and I called the real estate and he was like um do you want to like view the property first and I was like oh yeah I forgot about that <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> so yeah it's not just like how quickly the market moves but also like how difficult it is to determine whether you should give in to the real estate agent asking if that's your best and final and to increase your offer or whether to hold strong on your offer and like call their bluff you just like have to remember that real estate agents are working for the seller not the buyer it's such a little like game like it's like a dance such a game there's not to say there's not um decent real estate agents who will want to help you find the house for you um we spoke with a lot of agents and like really nice ones who sent through properties as they came in because they knew that we were looking in their area you obviously just like you don't want to pay more than you need to so you're trying to balance that and not missing out on the house but like on a few occasions we were told when trying to decide whether to increase our offer um, that like if you absolutely love the house and it's worth the money. Once you've found a house you love, what is the next step? Can you talk us through the process, like who you had to involve? Did the money come out of your account straight away? Like that's terrifying. Like then like paying the mortgage. Yeah. Like, so does anyone tell you what you're supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, if you like, you obviously have to speak to the agent first, like ask them what the asking price is. They don't usually give you a firm number, but they kind of like suggest a ballpark figure. Some agents send you what's called a letter of offer, which is like less formal. And, you know, they can take a bunch of these to the sellers before going into any formal contracts. And then others go straight to the formal like REIQ or whatever contract. And once you and the seller have signed it, signed this, there's no like withdrawing your offer which is why you include settlement clauses such as your building and pest and finance so that you like these give you time um, to get an inspector out to look at the property and you know ask your solicitor or conveyancer to do searches to make sure that you're aware of everything that comes with the property and then like if you're not satisfied with something that you find you can use the building or pest clause to get out of the contract. I believe the standard is 14 day building and pest and 30 day finance but like this is totally up to do, up to you like you can do less but we've found that because the market is so hot building and pest inspectors are really busy and the finance approval is totally dependent on the bank like you can't fast forward that process while it's yeah. sitting at their end I will know if you want to be competitive with your offers like it's good to already have pre-approval this is where like you've been pre-assessed by the bank and have been approved to buy a house of a certain amount and this doesn't need to be the one that you end up going with like the approval you can change to a different bank yeah well I got um, um, later on I got pre-approval last year um, when I like wasn't even I was just talking yeah. to the bank I wasn't even like looking at it yet and they just were like well you may as well have, get pre-approval yeah. so yeah I wasn't even looking and I could get it yeah well it it's good because it means you can make your offer contract more attractive as well to the seller because you can put like a shorter finance period like some sellers want a faster settlement period because it means money is in their bank account sooner um, like it's all done and dusted, especially if like it's an investment property for them. And you also need pre-approval if you plan on going to auctions. Um, and there's been a lot of auctions this year that we've seen, like a lot of houses have been going to auctions. So you need it because if you go to an auction and you put an offer in, as soon as that hammer drops, you have to be able to provide the deposit with like out any finance clauses. Back to paying your deposit, your mortgage broker helps a lot with this. So like once you've secured a contract for a home, including an agreed finance period, the broker works 
to secure your finance approval with the bank by a deadline date. They like put together a valuation of mortgage options from different banks tailored to your situation. And then they usually provide you with like their recommended choice. Just make sure you like ask lots of questions because it's like a lot, a lot of, of jargon and you yeah it's a lot of forms you have to sign so yeah it can be really overwhelming um and don't feel like you need to choose their top choice once you do confirm which bank you want to go with your broker communicates with the bank for you and then you have just have to wait till the approval comes through and then like it should be pretty smooth sailing from there like our mortgage broker organized our like set up our mortgage accounts um and went through all the fine details with us We signed a lot of papers and made sure the balance of the deposit plus purchase costs were available to the conveyancer. And then we finally got word that the settlement was complete and we went and picked up our keys from the real estate agent office. That would have been so exciting. (laughs) The final, like, closing the process. You're like, yes, they can't bail on us now. (laughs) I know. It's actually happening. (laughs) What a relief. Okay, so how did you feel, like, putting all of your savings into one thing? It's – I would be terrified. Like, I'm good at saving and then when it comes to spending, like, big amounts of money, I'm like, no, I can't do it. Yeah, like, it's 100% terrifying. Um, But how? Having our own space, which we get to call ours, is really special. It's kind of just like starting a new, for, well, for us anyway, it's kind of just been like starting a new chapter in our lives. Okay. Well, so would that be your biggest highlight, like calling a place your own? Yeah. So the moving in <laughs> part is my favourite part. I thought so, you said you, it was hard. Wouldn't it be so hard No, okay, in? so nesting, as my mother calls oh, okay. it, which is like setting up the house. Isn't that what like, you do when you're pregnant and you're like building the maybe, nursery? Maybe. It's like Probably, nesting. again, but my <laughs> mum calls it the same as with the house. So like choosing where you put things and yeah, like what I said, the moving part is exhausting, but once we actually got here like that was my highlight so you know tying a bow on the purchasing process and and yeah turning the page on a new chapter has been the highlight I did actually enjoy trolling realestate.com weirdly like looking at all the houses when I'm going yeah of course (laughs) I'm still helping a few of my friends just like I know what their criteria are because it's pretty similar to ours and just like sending them houses (laughs) like it's not so much like the giving up every Saturday and running around midweek to all the inspections like that is so draining but like looking at the properties online and imagining where you'd put things or how you decorate it can be fun yeah okay so you loved the moving in process what are your top tips for like moving in then like must do's well okay try to get it done as quickly as you can like the the moving part I mentioned in a previous um like I think in our last episode that it was raining on our moving weekend which meant we only got like half of the big items in the trailer done and like half of our belongings were still at my parents house for the next week yeah so like disjointed yeah which was annoying because it seemed like everything that I ended up needing was at the other house (laughs) but yeah I was just like running backwards back and forth and also Facebook marketplace is your best friend for Gen Zers buying a house in this market like it's likely that you're not going to have a lot of money left over so just troll marketplace or gumtree or whatever and buy your first furniture cheap you can always like upgrade the furniture or like later on um plus you might have a better idea of what you want in the room once you've been living there for a while pretty much everything in our house except um our couch has been from marketplace or family donations also like i said earlier in my adulting fail you can always diy furniture makeover an older piece um just do it better than me if you do that (laughs) (laughs) with all this in mind after that whole chat 
What is one piece of advice that you'd give someone in their 20s looking to buy a house? Just your final piece of advice. Um, okay, I think just try not to be overwhelmed by the process. Like it's definitely exhausting at times and can be really disappointing and maybe even heartbreaking, but just stay hopeful that you will find your place eventually. And when you do, you'll forget about all the other ones that you loved along the way. Kind of again, like childbirth, you forget the pain (laughs) once you have the baby. (laughs) Repress all the bad (laughs) memories. Well, thanks for chatting with me. I feel like I learned a lot from that. I hope it was helpful. I'll have to like listen again and just take notes for when I'm ready to do it. We should do like a, a notes document just for people. Tell me tell me your save search and I'll start. Like, Yes, <laughs> I will. I will. We're not there yet, but I will. Okay, and finally, let's talk Adulting 101, our weekly resource or recommendation that we found helpful in navigating our 20s. Tessa, what have you got for me? Okay, so I have an Instagram page recommendation this week that will up your news game in 2021. So if you can't already tell, I spend way too much time on social media. But yeah, this account, I really recommend that you follow. It's called um, at the Daily Oz. So it brings bite-sized news to Aussies in a super accessible way. So what I really like about it is that it's super easy to understand. It gives you all the news that you need to know in under a minute a day, which is really helpful. Like I just flick through the Instagram stories in the morning. And so when I'm super busy and don't have time to stay up to date with all of the current affairs um, or when I was like actively avoiding the news when it was (laughs) so depressing because of COVID, it was just like really a handy and completely free source to keep me in the know so I wasn't completely oblivious to what was going on in the world. And they also have a podcast. I've not listened to it, but I think that one brings you news in under two minutes a day. And I think that one's quite popular as well. Yeah, I back that recommendation. I also love the Daily Oz. I follow yeah, them. They're a good one. Um, but okay, what do you have for me? That's mine. Quick, easy, short, first step of the year, light. Okay. Whoa, that was a lot of adjectives. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I know that it's first week back, but can I be outrageous and make two recommendations? Uh, If you must. No, (laughs) of course. Okay, so firstly, I just want to recommend a savings bank account, just, you know, in reference to our chat earlier. It's really good to keep an eye on banks with a good interest rate. Like, that is something that I have always... tried to chase down I'm so bad I need to do that but I don't I was like signed up to Dolomites as a young child (laughs) with Commonwealth Bank and just I feel like that's how they get you and I just I've remained loyal ever since and then (laughs) I just like yeah like I don't know they they lured me in with the little mini baby child checkbook okay (laughs) yeah I they were so cute I remember them okay so the one that I'm recommending is exclusive to 18 to 29 year olds and at the moment allows you to earn up to three percent per annum of variable interest on your savings. It's called the Westpac Choice and Life Counts. Um, I'll add a link in our episode notes if you like to read more, but basically there's like the standard criteria that you have to meet each month in order to qualify for the interest rate, i.e. grow your savings, so have a higher account balance at the end um, of the month than the start and use your debit card like five times, I think, to um, make purchases. 
I will note that the 3% interest only applies on balances up to 30k. So if you're well into your savings journey, this might not be the best option for you. But if you're just starting, it could be a good option. Um, I'm currently using the choice account for my spendings and then have like two savings goals set up in my life account because I'm kind of like back at square one with my savings (laughs) journey. Okay, so that was your first one. On to my second recommendation. I'm back to recommending a binge worthy TV series. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) It's a Netflix series called Bridgerton. Okay, yes. I've seen this everywhere. Everyone on Instagram is posting watching it. All over the media. Like it was actually only released on Christmas Day. So people, people, yeah, got onto it quick. Yeah, people have like finished the series. I think it's only like six to eight episodes okay so Don't like kind of manageable <laughs> especially on holidays I guess if you've got a bit more downtime yeah I kind of just like had it on the tv while I was like doing my DIY thing. <laughs> um, but it draws attention to the history of women's rights and like well the lack thereof during the early 1800s the series is based on historical romance novels from author Julia Quinn it's set in the Regency era and the characters are part of the high society in London there's a gossip journalist who kind of reminds me of a mixture of like Gossip Girl and A from Pretty Little Lies. Yeah, I've heard a lot of comparisons to Gossip Girl. Mm. There are points that I really like about the series. So the depiction of unrequited love, the struggles of straying from societal norms and well, not to mention the passionate sex scenes. Oh my gosh, I'm so vanilla. I get so uncomfortable watching <laughs> sex scenes. I can't. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> Um, from first glance, there is cast diversity, especially in the leading roles. For example, the queen is black and the main protagonist is black. Um, and this has been refreshing since most of the 19th century period dramas are overwhelmingly white. However, there is a difference between showing black people on screen and representing black people on screen. Um, As an article from Refinery29 explains, Bridgerton did a lot of hinting or winking at race without actually ever going there. It was almost like they were scared to say it out loud. Um, The main characters are in an interracial relationship, which I think for that era, the series could have made more real. Um, And there's also a controversial scene that received quite a bit of upset from Bridgerton novel fans and now again from Netflix viewers. But I won't go into that because I can't say it without spoilers and I want you all to watch it. So hopefully that's been clickbaity enough for you all to go give it a go. You've been like, it's good, but it also sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I know. You might be wondering why I'm recommending it if I'm like sitting here dissecting it. But the series does have its flaws. I just think... Like for that reason, it's an interesting watch and you'll learn a lot about the era and like how society at the time operated in regards to women's rights. That's my recommendations. And there you have it, our first episode of 2021. Wow, that feels weird to say. I know. Thank you, everyone, for coming back to listen to us and not forgetting about little old blooming over the Christmas New Year break. If you made it through all those Q&As, I hope you did find some use in my answers. Whether you decide on an apartment, townhouse, house or land, whatever the right choice is for you. Well, yeah, I know I'll definitely be using these answers or your answers to guide my decisions. I mean, welcome. (laughs) I'll thank you once I actually have the (laughs) have the place. Um, But please come find us on Instagram at bloomingpodcast and remember to DM us. We want to hear your thoughts on this episode and what topics you'd like us to talk about this year. And please start sending in the wins and fails again. I don't know what happened over the break, guys. Slackers. Slackers. 
Um, we want to know whether your year is starting off with adulting wins or adulting fails. If you're enjoying our content, please let us know by hitting the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. And if you really love us, like please, really love us, like really, really love <laughs> us, please leave us a rating or review. We are so grateful for the feedback. Chat next Wednesday. Unless another lockdown happens, <laughs> everyone cross your fingers that we get on top of Rona and this was only a minor detour for 2021. My fingers and toes are crossed. Nice. I loved quiz. Okay. I loved, I loved quizzing. <laughs> I was like reading the word quizzing and I was like, how do I say that? <laughs> okay. okay.